Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So I found this week's podcast guest on my newsfeed, my Facebook newsfeed of all places. She wrote a post about how as parents, we need to stop raising entitled children that ended up going wild on the internet, striking a chord with so many. So after reading this random post on my Facebook newsfeed, I knew I needed to talk to this woman. Lisa Collum is a mom of four. She is an educator. She is a principal of her own school. She is a speaker. She is an entrepreneur and the CEO of two very successful businesses. In this episode, she dives into all that she has going on. So I'm going to leave the full intro to her, but let me just say she is one inspiring woman. We talk about everything from what parents are doing to create entitled children in our society, how this makes it difficult for educators to help them thrive, the importance of finding your child's own learning style and gifts in life, where the traditional education system is holding some kids back, entrepreneurship, what it takes to start a successful business, and how she manages all that she manages with four kids in tow. I hope you love Lisa just as much as I do. This episode is jam-packed with aha moments, so let's dive right in. All right, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you know what? Before we dive into all the things I want to chat with you about for those who aren't familiar, can you give give us your elevator pitch? Like, wh- who are you? What's what do you got going on? You've got businesses, you got kids, you got you got a lot. So give it, give us the lowdown on all things Lisa. Yeah. So basically, my intro is always: I'm a mom of four, and I own two businesses. So I own Top Score Writing, which is where I write curriculum, and I own a small private school called Costa Middle and High School. And I am daily just trying to juggle it all. Yeah, aren't we all right? So, <laughs> yes. tell it. So you're you run a private school. So do you teach in the private school? No. So I'm the principal. I have um, an assistant principal as well as four teachers. Um, so I'm in and out of there daily. Luckily, it's close to my house. Um, but I did when I first started the private school. I was the main teacher, and as we've been growing, and both businesses have been growing, um, I've moved, you know, into the sole principal role, and um, luckily have a very good team. That's, you know what, that is key. I'm learning that more and more. And so with your other business, you write curriculum for other schools then? Yeah. So I write curriculum that um, teachers use in schools or parents use at home um, to teach kids how to write, like how to write an essay. So how to take your thoughts and put them on paper in an organized way. And it's a very step-by-step, very easy approach to writing since most kids um, and teachers are kind of scared of writing. Um, And I sell my curriculum to various schools across the nation. And like I said, there are a lot of homeschool parents or just parents that want extra help that will purchase a curriculum as well. I love it. That is so important. Now, did you always do this or how how did you become this entrepreneur? So it was definitely not in the plan. Um, I'm glad it worked out, but it was not part of the plan. In all honesty, I'm not a business person at all. Um, I was teaching and I had wanted to be a teacher since I was five years old. Um, Everyone who ever knew me knew I was going to be a teacher. So I get my first job out of college and the principal tells me I'm in charge of teaching writing. So I'm like, okay, you know, just give my curriculum. Um, I'll study it. And I was so excited. And she looked at me and said, there's really nothing for writing. We have reading, math, science, social studies, but there's nothing for writing. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I, I happened to be at like a really low performing school. It was a, a Title I F school, um, which if you're not familiar with like school grades, that's the lowest one they can get. And it, it's being Title I um, means that many of the students are on free and reduced lunch. So I knew I was working with a, a low group of students. And then on top of that, I didn't have any resources. So I started digging and really found nothing. I found a couple books here and there. And 
that's kind of what sparked all of this because that year I just had to kind of make up my own stuff, pull from what I knew, pull little things from various resources and then just make it work for my kids. And a lot of it was trial and error. Um, But my whole idea behind my way of teaching is always that I think every kid can learn. I don't care how low you are or or whatever the issue is. um, If you just simplify it and make it work to their learning. So I did that. I, I broke down every step of writing in a really simple way. And I taught them. And that year, prior to me coming in, they were at about 38% proficiency. But by the end of the year, with me, they went to 95% proficiency. So 95% of the students were passing the state exam. And so it was, you know, it was a huge deal. And I went on for a couple of years um, to continue doing that. And I, I was able to get 100% of my students passing, which was kind of unheard of. I was actually investigated twice by my state because I didn't believe that that could actually happen, (laughs) which was kind of like, really? But I think it was, you know, we were a low performing school and they just didn't believe. um, I think they thought we were cheating or something, but they came in every time they cleared us. They just had to do their job, I guess. But um, I went on and shared. I, I really didn't have lesson plans. I just shared my ideas and uh, ways of teaching and different resources I had come up with, with a bunch of teachers and schools. I moved into like a, they call it a writing coach where you work with different teachers and a writing spe- a specialist where you work with various schools. And it wasn't until I left the district completely. I'd had my third son and I took a job teaching online so I could stay home and teach from the computer. And it was at that point, everyone started calling that I had worked with before and they all were like, where did you go? We need you. Where, where are those resources? You got to tell us all the ways that you taught writing. And I was like, I left. I'm not with the district anymore. And they're like, can you write it down? We'll buy it. And literally like light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, oh, well, that'd be kind of cool. You know, I could share my stuff, make some money on the side. And I ended up writing some stuff down. It was like nothing. It was like 20 lessons in a small binder. And I, I sold it for like 50 bucks or something. And um, everyone started buying it. And then I started adding to it, making it better. And then before I knew it, I had to quit my online job. And I had a big binder of lessons. And I was working with different districts across my state. And then it from there, it's, it's just become this nationwide program where thousands of schools are using it. So it's, it's awesome because I've been able to take what I know works and help students and teachers and, and spread it, you know, have an impact among many schools and students. So it was never really my plan to be a business owner, but that's how it happened. And um, I've, you know, moved away from binders and I have books and everything's all professional now, but I truly did start from the very, very, very beginning of like basic business stuff and had to learn along the way. Yeah. And you know what I love about that, uh, you know, on top of the fact that you're helping so many people is that you created a business out of a need that you had for yourself. Like you need, you needed this support and you yeah. kind of needed this curriculum. And then, so when you didn't have it, you created it and then it spiraled from there. A hundred percent. Yep. That's exactly it. And you know, the school kind of fell into the whole thing with a couple years into my business. I found out about this school and you know, the school's my nonprofit and I, I always say it causes me the most money, the most stress, the most time, but it is 100% for those kids because my school is for what, for whatever the reason is, regular public school is not working for these kids, whether they've been, um, they've dropped out, they're failing, they're behind in courses, they're being bullied, they have ADHD, whatever the issue is, they need something different and that's my school. So it's true. I'm kind of like, I always say they're, they're second, but I maybe even third, but kind of their last chance um, before they, they do drop out and never go back. And so, you know, we have a very different environment. It's small, it's family-like, it's flexible. We have lots of breaks. We, I figure out, you know, parents will come to me and say, you know, he just doesn't like school. He just doesn't learn well. And I always say, well, I'm going to figure out the way he does learn best. And then we're going to make that work here. So we're able to really zone in on kids and figure out their best learning style and apply it um, to our teachers or teachers can apply it when teaching them. And then they're very successful with us. I love it. It's so important because, you know, we're boxing kids in and we're saying, you know, this is how you need to learn or this is, you know, the curriculum that you need to be successful. And more and more now, like we're having conversations actually right now in our family about 
post-secondary and what's next for the kids. Cause we have two teenagers in the house and next year, my stepdaughter is going to be applying to schools and it's just not the way it used to be. You know, there's, you can learn so much even on the internet now, like success in school. It's, it, we, we box people in and it's not the be all and end all. Like we can do things in a flexible way and kids can be just as successful or even more when they become adults based on that. Right. And that's what I always say. You know, I, I've been an educator. I work with, you know, I sell curriculum to public schools and it, it bugs me because we're just, it's this one size fits all that everyone's got to fit inside the box. And I think if anything we've learned is that everyone learns differently and you can see that just as adults and, you know, sitting there being lectured to or having to do, you know, tons and tons of homework for no reason, just little things, you know, all these tests and some kids aren't good, good test takers and everyone has ADHD now well, that's a whole nother podcast. But, <laughs> you know, I just think that we're all wired a little different. You know, it's hard for me to sit for an hour and listen to somebody. Um, so I think, you know, we just need to kind of figure out what every kid needs. And, and trust me, I've been in the public school. We try, we, we, you know, we go to tons of trainings on differentiated instruction, but it's hard with 30 kids in a classroom. You know, it's just, it's hard with the discipline and, and, and trying to figure out what every kid needs. So that's the beauty of the private school. I'm able to keep it small. And for the kids, you know, some kids do fine. I, I did perfectly fine um, in public school with a million kids, but like my brother, for example, did not. Um, and I always compare it cause we're from the same family, but he was not a school kid mm-hmm. and he had a, he is a hands on, uh, you know, fixing cars, fixing things kind of learner. And that's fine. You know, it's okay if you're not like the CEO of a company, it's okay if you're an electrician or a plumber doing it. That's, I can't even, I had something, uh, break at my house. I need an electrician for, I couldn't get anyone for weeks. I'm like, we need more, you know, people with trade skills. So there's, I feel like we're just kind of put everyone in this box and I, I, I want to be able to provide a way for those that don't fit inside it to be, still be successful and know that they can be successful because they come to me and they're like, they're done. They just have written themselves off as a failure and they're not going to do good in school. Mm-hmm. And I really try to change that. And when it really comes down to it, it's not even an academic piece. That's a confidence piece, right? You're teaching life skills too. the fact that there's a different way of doing things or that they can be confident in themselves. Because I do feel like when kids aren't thriving in the traditional school system, they get down on themselves and they kind of, you know, are written off when that's not the case. Yep. And that you, I mean, you hit it right there. That's it. I, academics, yes, they're important, but I am more worried about that person building confidence and having some set plan for the future, whether it's college, maybe it's not, maybe it's going to a trade school, maybe it's jumping into the workforce, whatever that is. I want to give them the skills they need and the confidence to be successful and, and, you know, or even some of them have no clue, kind of help them find that path. So, you know, I, I always, when I have conversations with different people, yes, academics are important, but we've got to build people that are successful for the real world, that have these skills and and know how to deal with bumps in the road along the way, things like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a conversation we've actually been having at home with my husband and I, and we're talking to my stepson about is it's sometimes about not what you're learning. It's about learning to learn because that's where you're going to find success in life because there's no, you don't know all the answers. You're always learning. There's always new ways of doing things. So figuring out how you learn as an individual is key because we don't even know what the jobs are going to be in 30 years from now, right? There's so many things that are changing and people aren't in, it's not the way it used to be, you know, and you obviously know this, people aren't in the jobs that they thought they were going to be for the rest of their life. Like I did mm-hmm. not know that I would be running a business to help stepmoms. Like that's literally what I do. And that, you know, going back to what sparked your business is that came from a need that I had. Right. And I've been able to figure out how to do all of that just from the internet. And I'm sure you Google yep. everything, you know, like how, it's like, how did you build your business? Google, like I'm Google. always yep. asking Google. Uh, but it, that is not about my education. That's about my ability to learn. Right. Right. Exactly. And that that's, that's truly it. Figuring out your learning style and you know, that there's lots of little things you can do online, but a lot of it's just trial and error and 
and trying different things in your own schoolwork or if you're, you know, older in your work, you just have to figure out what, what way works best for you. And it could be a combination, but not everyone's meant for the same way. And I, I see that just in even my small group of kids and even in my own kids. I have four of my own kids and I mean, my first two, I don't even like look at their papers half the time. They're fine on their own. My third one, I'm all over him, mm-hmm. but he needs that. And he's my kid. My other two come in after school. They run into their rooms, go on video games. My third one, he's outside with my dad in the yard building something all the time. So is he not as smart or not going to be a good school kid? No, he's just a different learning style. And that's okay. Yeah, totally. And we're okay. all from the same family. So I, I'm, I'm always, you know, trying to say with parents, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know what's, what's wrong. My one son, I don't get it. And I'm like, they're all different. Even though they're all from the same family, they still have different learning styles. And you just have to embrace it and, and work with them. Yeah. And that's so interesting, just how kids from the very same family and the very same upbringing can be so completely different. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. But I, I try to share that as much as possible because you know, I don't want, I, I've dealt with so many parents, you know, I've, besides my business, I've always tutored on the side and that's part of my top scoring business. And I get these parents and they're just so lost as far as, you know, they're one kid and they're like, you know, my other ones were great writers and did this and that, and I don't get it. And I have to always say, it's okay. We just have to teach it to them in a way that works for them and just kind of em- embrace what they're good at. And if they're not the best writer in the world, let's just get them, you know, to the best they can be and then kind of go from there. So it's just constantly reminding them that that's okay. And it's not that they're any less or not as smart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure this business and this has been your baby, right? Like you have been, you, you built this, this is not from anyone else. And What I love about you is that in this conversation, we can talk about parenting, we can talk about education, but we can also talk about entrepreneurship, which is something that I really want to start talking about because I'm, I I loved, I love talking about it. I'm super passionate about it, but you know, you're talking a lot about hiring a team on your social media right now and what that's done for you, you know, for your ability for work-life balance, whatever that is. And, you know, just to build your business and can we kind of dive into that? Like how has... How has building a, a building a team helped you and your business? Like what has that what has that done for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, this has been a a huge learning experience for me, but by far the best thing I ever did. And I think you know, you refer to it as my baby, which I always say this is my baby and it was hard for me to let go. And for so long I was on my own and I felt like, you know, I I had my way of selling it. And I had my way of answering the phone. I had my way of doing trainings and and I always had my way. And I was afraid if I handed it to anyone else, they weren't going to do it right. Or they were going to not, you know, not get the sale. Or it was just very hard for me to let go, especially the training piece. Because schools, you know, they pay a lot of money for me to come out and train the teachers. And it's a really good in-depth training. And I just kept thinking, how can I train someone else to do this? Like it's, it's mine. I made it like I totally made it up. You know, it's all from my thoughts and, and my experiences and yeah, I can train them, but they won't have all my stories and they won't have all my jokes and all, you know, it's just, it was a lot of what if, what if, what if. And so there's kind of two big things I did with the team. Um, You know, I've had my business for almost nine years and for the first seven, I was a hundred percent by myself and I grew it but it was very slow and it was nothing too major. And then I got to the point where I thought, I don't, business is not my thing. I don't know what to do for marketing. I don't know how to do a sales cycle with the right pitch and, and the right time. And, and, you know, I had no set of like keeping track of who put in quotes and who I followed up with. And that's just, I'm an educator. Like that's just not my cup of tea. So Two years ago, I made a really big switch um, and I hired a business development team and um, they're um, a group, they're called the MAGS group and they have their own team of people that help with all of that. So I have marketing and sales and record keeping as far as like our purchase orders and things like that. And I found out real quick that I am able to do 10 times more with having a team because they took a lot of the simple things off my plate, but they also help with a lot of the bigger things. Before I knew it, instead of making five calls a day, I was able to make 25 calls a day. And before I knew it, instead of, you know, getting a few of the sales pitches, I was able to get tons of the sales because I had multiple people calling and I had people that that was their specialty. I'm horrible at sales. 
like I have people call me and they're like, do you think you can give me a discount? I'm like, sure, no problem. You know, yeah, and we'll throw in me. lunch. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, nope, yeah, of course, for your whole team, of course, yeah. And so I'm just, that's not my thing, but salespeople are awesome at that. And, you know, they get done talking to a school and a school that wanted to purchase one is suddenly purchasing 10 kits because they're just good at sales. And so that was huge for me. I literally tripled my sales in one year with this company, like tripled just by having a team. And then it got to the point where my next step was, okay, Lisa, everyone wants a training and you can't be in 10 places at once. We need more trainers. And I was like, no, I can't give up training. That's my thing. You know, I just don't know if they're going to do a good job. And I had to let that go. And this year was the first year, just this past August, like a month ago, I actually trained about, I think there were seven other people and I trained them on how to do my training. We did a bunch of practice runs. They came and watched me do it. And then in August, we all went out and did trainings in various locations. And let me tell you, we did in one week what used to take me an entire month. I mean, we did, I think there were 16 trainings in one week because we were all over the place and you can do, you know, two or three a day, depending on the time. And I remember getting done with that week and thinking, I can't believe this just happened. Like we just knocked out an entire month of trainings. I was able to take on so many more trainings for schools, help so many more teachers, and I got nothing but great feedback. So for me, it was just like, you can let it go, Lisa. Um, you know, I'm still, you know, not, not in charge of the sense of being like in charge of people, but I can still see what's kind of going on, like making sure the trainings are, you know, on the right topic and making sure that they're, they're trained. Um, but it has grown my business to, to something I never, ever thought it could be. And it's just from having a team in place. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the process right now of really building my team out. And I have, you know, a few different girls who work for me and help me out with different things, but it's crazy. First of all, how hard it is to let go. Cause again, this is my baby. And, you know, I did this cause I love supporting stepmoms and talking about things that people don't want to talk about. And mm -hmm. so this, this was, I made this out of nothing. So delegating to people can be so hard because you feel like, you feel like your way is the only way when exactly sometimes if you can just get out of your head and I, honestly, I am, I'm working on it. I'm sure there's people who are on my team right now. who are like, yeah, Jamie, keep working, keep working. Um, but just being able to let it go and trust that there are other people who are capable as well. And you know, what's crazy though. I think it, that's not even just about entrepreneurship. That's motherhood too. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like you can, you can bring that back to like, how do you manage your house? Like you can ask for help. You can ask, ask for, you know, people to do things for you. You can delegate both in business and in motherhood. And it, you know, it, it helps you get more stuff done in both respects. It does. It, it it's, it's amazing. Cause I never thought of it like that. Like I, I, I knew it'd be helpful, but I never thought of how much more could get done and I could grow. And I've, I've had to say, and I've explained this to a couple people too, you know, I've acknowledged that education is my specialty and I'm not good at the business end of things. Like sales is not my thing. Um, and marketing is not my thing. And so I've had to realize, you know, people pay me because I'm, my specialty is education. I need to pay people. Yes, it's going to cost money, but for their specialty. And just just in like social media marketing alone with, with top score, I mean, I never knew the things you could do with that. I mean, mm -hmm. they're reaching people in different states and and have these all these different groups going on where people are, teachers are talking back and forth and we have ambassador programs and we're doing these email lists. And I I just would have never, maybe I would have learned along the way, but I don't think to this degree because that's their specialty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I had to, you know, as a business person, I'm like, well, I, you know, I didn't even have a budget. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just have my bank account and I just kind of go from there. And I had to literally sit down and be like, okay, I need to find someone who can help me with this. And that's part of, you know, what the Mags group did because they have all the different people in those different um, specialties. And it just, I mean, I tell everyone, I'm like, it, it one year made all the difference in the world. And um, I just, you know, highly, if you can afford it or get to that point in your business, you know, getting a good team where people have their specialty is something I highly recommend. Just it makes all the difference. And it just goes to show we all have our thing and we're good at it and we just have to find the right people. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you could rewind back to, though, before you were in the position where you could hire the team, what would you say to someone who has an idea and, you know, is kind of like, oh, maybe I should start a business or I should start an online platform or, you know, I want to take this idea to the next level because you don't, I think that's what sometimes holds people back is they think, well, I need to hire out. I need to figure out how to do all these things. I need, you know, people to help me. Mm-hmm. And you're a prime example. You did this all on your own. Like you literally figured it out on your own. And it wasn't until, you know, last year, how many years in was that? Right. I mean, I was seven years, a hundred percent on my own. Right. And and you made it work, you know, you oh, were yeah. still successful and you still made it work. So, you know, I never want people to feel like they have to start with a team in order to be successful. You know, I did everything on my own until recently as well. It's just, that is possible too. You, you just kind of, you get to that tipping point where you're like, I'm ready to take it to the next level. Right. And I think that's just it. That's like next level. But I, I mean, I was uh, very successful, completely my, my own. And I always tell everyone, um, my number one piece of advice is to start it on the side. Like I, especially, I mean, I get it. I'm a mom. I could never, I was never in a place just to quit my job. Like that mm-hmm. was just not in my deck of cards. So like, I never just jumped ship and started doing this. I always was doing something full-time and this was on the side until I was making enough money and I was secure and able to officially do this. So, you know, my first three or four years, I was teaching online all day. And then I would do this at night. So I would, I was teaching for virtual school online. I'd get done around four every day. And then I'd start, I'd go to office max, make my copies of the binders. I'd come home, my kids and my husband helped me hole punch them. We make the binders, we go ship them at UPS. And I was doing that all on the side. And so like, I have a friend who wants to do interior design. And right now she's a pharmaceutical rep. And I said, start it on the side. Take a few clients for a cheap price on the side and start building your portfolio, post it on social media. And then hopefully, you know, two, three, maybe who knows, five years down the road, you'll have enough to where you can go, okay, I have enough clients. I've done enough business where I can quit my full-time job. But I think doing it on the side just to see and, and also just accepting failure. I mean, I tried to open a tutoring center like three years ago and completely flopped. I mean, like I was like paying to keep the place open. And I realized I just don't have the time and there's just not enough with tutoring to have an entire tutoring center dedicated to writing. Um, But I still do tutoring, but it's just, that was like one fail along the way that I just, it didn't work. Um, But I think starting on the side um, is, is huge because you just kind of have to build it. And then from there decide and just know that, you know, like, I mean, for, five, six years, all I did was email people and post on social media. And that was enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I said this the other day I was doing, um, I think I did a post about this or I was talking with someone. I said, I did, a, I gave a lot in the beginning, like free samples, like my lessons. So if I had, you know, 50 lessons, I would send out like the first five for free. Um, or, you know, to sign up for my email list, you get the first five or I'd, I'd hand, um, my binders out to a couple of local schools of the the teachers I knew. And I'd say, hey, I'm going to let you use this for free. Can you give me some feedback and post about it and share it with your friends? And I did a lot of that or a discounted price at in the beginning and word spreads. Yeah, you know, for sure. Just things like that. And I think that it's so important to realize you have to be passionate about it. I think that there's a lot of people who look at entrepreneurs and people are, you know, posting everything online and it's all a highlight reel. It really, we're posting about a lot of the successes and you can see the next steps and you can see people's business evolve, but you know, you probably got a lot of no's. I know I have had a lot of no's. I've had a lot of days where I have questioned myself and wondered whether it is worth it. And and there are a lot of hard days in entrepreneurship. So, you know, going back to your interior design friend, if she really loves it, if she's super passionate about it, she's going to want to do it on the side. She's that's, that's going to be, you know, interesting for her and exciting for her. And I think it's important when it comes to being your own boss and starting your own gig, you have to have that desire and that why and that passion, because that's what's going to keep you going. Because it's not, it's not all easy. There's a lot, people fail so many times along the way. Oh gosh. And that, and that's just it. I mean, you almost have to go into it knowing, okay, there's going to be failures. There's going to be no's and that's okay. Like, when I'm talking like in podcasts or different interviews, I always share, there was one point in the very beginning of, 
my business venture with Top Score that I was working with a district close to me and, and they're a very big district. And I, I only had about 20 of their schools, but those schools did really good one year. So the following year, almost all their schools wanted to buy it. It was close to 50 or 60 schools and they were all calling and ordering. And in that same week, for some reason, I still don't know to this day, that school district put a complete ban on purchasing from my company. So literally my whole side hustle just went to zero. And that, and I, you know, that was in the very beginning. And, and at one point I was like, there's, I'm just gonna have to close it down. There's no point. And I was talking to another principal friend and she was like, who cares, Lisa, go to another district. And I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, just go sell somewhere else. And I was like, but this is my county. And they're like, she's like, it doesn't matter, go somewhere else. And I just started pitching it to other people and sending emails and free lessons. And before I knew it, I had other districts and then it just started to spread. But that was a huge, like, I guess not a failure on my part, but a huge bump in the road because my my whole side hustle, you know, was right here in my district. And then all of a sudden it was no, no more purchasing. And all those huge orders just went, it was nothing. I had to cancel everything. Wow. Yeah. And people don't see that, right? People don't see, they don't even understand how that feels when you're going to bed at night and you've got that big no, or you've got that big bump. It's, it can be debilitating for sure. Yeah. Because you start to second guess yourself. I mean, I always talk about self-doubt. I mean, I don't think these last two years, I mean, yes, I've been, you know, my, my business has grown, but I've just built the, I feel like I finally have proved myself. Like, mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that I had to do that to get to this point. And if I, you know, could take anything back, it would to give, it would to have that self-confidence from the beginning, because I always doubted, like when people said no, I would be like, well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe my curriculum isn't the right way, or maybe this, and I don't know if I can do this. And, and, and I just constantly did that. And now I've worked with so many schools and I have data to back it up. And I have so many people sharing the successes that I, I finally am like, you know, I, you, I really can't say I have any, you know, my confidence as far as my curriculum is there. Like I'm not lacking that at all because I know it works and I know it's what's best for kids. But for so long, oh my goodness, every time there's a bump in the road, I would start to self-doubt. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. maybe I just shouldn't do this. I just go back to teaching. I'm not made for this. <laughs> you know? And I think that comes with time too. And yeah. I think that's also another thing that people, when they're watching entrepreneurs online, they don't see, they don't see the self-doubt. They don't see the times that we question ourselves over and over again. Like they don't see the no's. So it's, I think it's really important to have those conversations so that people know that's part of it. You know, when you start something, you know, there's, I'm sure there's going to be moms who are listening to this who want to start something, who have this idea, but they're scared to do it. They're scared to take the leap. You just got to do it. And you're going to doubt yourself. You're going to have days where you're like, what the hell am I even doing? But that's, everyone feels that way. You just have to push through it. You have to. And I, I literally just posted last night, a picture of my daughter jumping into our swimming pool. And my post was, sometimes you just got to jump in and go for it. And just Mm -hmm. know there's failures, but you got to stop talking about it, stop thinking about it and just try it. And, you know, my, my friend who wants to be the interior designer, she reached out um, a couple weeks ago after I posted something and it was about, um, you know, just trying, just going for it and trying it. And she said, well, where am I supposed to start? And that's where we got into that whole conversation about doing on the side. I said, you just got to start somewhere. Just go for it. Try it. Mm -hmm. And if that way doesn't work, try another way. Luckily, it all worked out for me and I was kind of almost pushed into it in a good way because everyone started calling because I would have never thought, let me put this together and sell it. <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, but, you know, I think if we just really set our minds to it, and you, you had a key word, passion. You got to be passionate about it because you'll fight for it. And if you really feel strongly about it, you'll keep pushing for it through all the bumps in the road. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the reason why I ended up you know, finding you online and what really kind of drew me to you and your business is a post you wrote on Entitled Children. Uh, yeah, I think that was months <laughs> ago, uh, yeah. but it went fairly viral, actually. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Yeah. So it's funny. I always joke. I'm like, yeah, that was when I was having one of my days, but it ended up being good because it needed to be said and it th- and thankfully got shared thousands and thousands of times. Um, with, you know, good supporting comments, but, you know, there's, this is such a a broad topic, but I'll kind of zone it in for time. But, you know, the thing is I I own my high school. I'm also a parent of, um, you know, I have K 
kids who are 14, 11, 7, and 3. So I've kind of got a big span. Um, You're in the trenches like I am. It's like we're planting in every single (laughs) stage right now. Like there's not one stage we're missing. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I, I see it with not only my school, but my own kids and friends. And we play a million sports. I'm always around parents. And I just have gotten to the point where I I cannot like take the entitlement of the kids and the parents supporting it. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of what kind of sparked all this. Um, At my school, we had a situation with um, the vape pens. All the teenagers are trying this whole vaping thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to punch my kid if he does that. But anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) so I found the vape pen. And I called the parent and I said, you know, so-and-so had the vape pen. They're going to be suspended. Um, you know, this is, it's illegal, not just have at school. And the mom said to me, well, what'd you do about the other kids who have vape pens? And I was like, well, I'm not aware of anyone. And she's like, well, why are you um, calling me about my son when there's other kids that have it? And I was like, well, we'll deal with that if we find that. But right now, you know, we're dealing with him. And she's like, well, I think you need to take care of everyone else before you talk about my son. And it just became this total flip. And when she came in, we were having a conversation and and the kid was right there. And she was constantly like not ever taking accountability and for him. And he wasn't either. And he walked out of there with a smirk, almost like, yeah, I told you so. And that's just one instance. There's mm-hmm. so many instances where I, I say to the kid, I'm like, you know, if you don't do this or you don't put that away or this, I'm going to call your mom. And they're like, call her. She doesn't care. She's going to have my back no matter what. And it's just, it, this is constant. I'll be at sporting events and kids will say something um, to their moms and the mom will say no. And the kid will yell back at the mom and sometimes curse or say something bad. And the mom just gives in. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like if someone calls me, and says my kid did something, the first thing I'm going to do is go, okay, I'm coming in there right now to find out. And I'm, I'm never, especially in front of my kid, going to be like, well, I don't know if he did it. I may have that conversation alone, but I, I don't want my kid to know I'm on your teacher's side. We're going to, you know, you need to be not scared, but you need to be, you know, have a little bit of fear when your teacher's calling. And I feel like there's none of that anymore. And I talk, you know, 90% of my friends are teachers and it's just a huge problem. There's no more of, I'm going to call your mom. No, 90% of the kids don't care. Like, okay, go for it. Call her or dad, call them. Cause they just, nothing's going to get done or the, the parent is going to, you know, and this isn't every case. I'm just saying, I see it a lot more. And as teachers, it's super frustrating because we have nothing anymore. That used yeah. to be the big thing. We're going to call home or you're going to, you know, get a note home. Nobody cares anymore and nothing's done. And so here we are where we basically, the kid does something wrong. What are we going to do? Take away recess? There's no recess in high school. Like I have, you know, a lot of times I don't have anything to take away or to get them in trouble with. You want a detention? No problem. I'll say after school, you know, so it's that my, it all kind of came from there. And it was just, it wasn't that one instance. It was a bunch of things I had just seen a lot. Like I said, not only at my school, but just being out with kids and their parents. And, you know, I had some parents say to me, you know, but sometimes the teacher's wrong or sometimes the, you know, we need to make sure we're on our kid's side. And listen, I get it. There are some situations where, you know, something's inappropriate with the teacher and obviously not on the teacher's side. But for the most part, I'm talking about those general notes home or teachers calling home. We have to have the teachers back because school's like half our kids' lives. Like we need to make sure that we're together, a partner with the teacher and that there's some accountability and that we're not creating these entitled children because I'm telling you, I get them in high school and it's, it's bad. It's not setting them up for success. No, um, and I think that's what well, we forget, right? As parents or parents forget, your job is not to make sure that your kid is happy all the time. Your yeah. job is not to be their friend. It is to raise them into an adult who's going to be independent and successful and confident and you know be able to forge their own way. And by backing them up all the time and coming to their rescue and kind of, you know, taking the path of least resistance, we're not doing that. We're not setting them up for success. And for some, somewhere along the line that became lost and these kids, they're like, 
they're probably going to have a boss who's a jerk at some point in their mm-hmm. life. They're probably going to have, you know, a situation that they don't like, but they have to stay in. And if they're used to mom and dad coming to their rescue all the time, they don't have the skills to deal with that. That's exactly it. And it's so funny because I use that exact example with a student I was talking with the other day. I said, you know, because they were having trouble with a teacher at their old school. And they said, she she was this, she was that. And I said, listen, when you get older, you're probably going to have a boss at some point that you don't like who's mean to you. And there's nothing you can do. You have to just keep doing your job, be nice to them and move on. And that it's such just a life skill. You're going to come across people, you know, when you're a parent that you're on different teams with or um, whatever it may be, there's just going to be people that you may not like something or get along with. And that you just, you can't just quit. You can't say, I'm, I'm, you mom, get me out of that class. I don't like her. Mm-hmm. That, that's not how it works. And I think, you know, I'm seeing now because uh, honestly, a lot of them are coming to me, like I said, you know, for different reasons, but a, a lot of it's entitlement. And I feel their parents kind of saved them the whole time. And now they're in high school and the high schools are like, Hey, you don't want to do it. Bye. You're getting an F. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I have to have that conversation with them in the beginning a lot, um, especially, and I have a private conversation with the parents because I want them to know you've got to work with us because we need to kind of tackle this together. And that's like new for them. So I just, the, it's, it's, but it's starting as, as low as elementary school. I'll tell you just from talking to tons of teachers. And I just think we need to kind of partner back up how it used to be. I mean, if you told me when I was in third grade, you were calling my mom or dad, I was shaken. Mm-hmm. I did not As you should be. Yes, you exactly. should be. There should be and an element of fear of your parents being mad. There should be an there like that. It's not that's not a bad thing. And even when it comes to and I don't even know where you stand on this. There's this whole thing, you know, you should never yell at your kids or it should never be. Sometimes as a parent, you do have to yell at your kids. And somewhere along the line, all the parents decided that you're not supposed to yell or it's all supposed to be all hearts and sparkles and conversations. And now all of a sudden we have these kids who are super entitled. So we're, we're something has shifted in a way that's not working. That's exactly, yeah, you, you, I'm right there with you because that's exactly what is happening. And, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between yelling at your kid in discipline and yelling at your kid and cursing and calling your name in the book. I'm not talking about that, but I do think kids need to be yelled at. I do think they need to be disciplined and that's our job. Like mm-hmm. that's the whole point. Like if I was all the time saying to my kid, it's okay, sit down, let's, you know, I mean, listen, I, I get that we need to talk to our kids and there are times that we need to, you know, understand what happened, but they, they have to be disciplined and yelled at. And I, we're totally losing that. And like I said, that's, you know, why these um, high schoolers are either dropping out or ending up at, you know, different situations with like at my school or getting their GED or just, it's just, it's a bad situation. And also too, I've talked to so many business owners that are, like disgusted at the kids that are coming in for interviews. They say that they're like, they're not dressing up. They're just sitting there with their phones. They're just answering questions. Like they're having a conversation. No one's prepared for real life. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I was, I was talking to a, a local um, business owner and he was saying, you know, if there's one thing you can do at your school, please prepare them for an interview where they can answer questions and be professional. He's like, I can't tell you what, what, what it's like when they come in and they're just answering questions like they're sitting at the beach with a friend. And, you know, it's just, there's a, I think there's a lot more we need to do more than just academics as far as real life skills and preparing them for the future. Absolutely. Actually, you know, you know, Gary V. Yeah. yeah. So he, I was listening to his podcast the other day and he was actually talking about education and how it's a bit of an outdated system. He's talking Mm -hmm. about like the periodic table and formulas and things we need to memorize and all of that stuff. He's like, you know, right now you just ask Surrey or you ask Alexis or whatever it is. And uh, Mm -hmm. they'll give you the, they'll give you the answer. We should be teaching kids about, yeah, interview skills, life skills, communication skills, how to be confident, how to figure things out on your own. Like there's a lot of life skills that are really relevant in today's society that aren't even being taught anymore. It's just, it's just we're focusing on all of the wrong things. Right. I know sometimes when I'm like teaching a math class at my um, high school and we're talking about graphing polynomials and, and I'm like, 
what in the world? I said, these kids in my head, I'm like, they need to learn life skills. No one's going to graph a polynomial unless you're doing something, you know, if you're into science or math, which I get. And I think that should come in your college when you're zoning in on, you know, your specific thing you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, I mean, I'm constantly telling my parents, um, we're trying as much as we can to, um, at least at my school, put in those life skills just because it's just lacking so much. But, you know, the entitlement, I can only do so much on my end as a as the educator and the principal. But if there's one thing I just wish parents would do is just recognize, you know, that we need to team up with the teachers. It's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, you're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Now, one last question I have before we wrap up. I don't know about you in the States. Do you guys have, you know, we have first, second and third place ribbons, right? When you do an event or a sports Mm -hmm. game or whatever tournament here in Canada, there's in our district, at least, you know, my stepdaughter said the one day she's like, oh, well, I got third. And I said, oh, that's amazing. She's like, but they gave out three firsts, three seconds and three thirds. I'm like, oh, so you got ninth. (laughs) She says, yeah. I said, okay. Do you guys have that there? Is that what's I've going on? Ne- no, I've never heard of that. Or participation I, medals and like, thanks for coming out medals. Or is that just here in Canada? So no, we do have participation trophies and, and medals in the lower. So like all my kids, when they're in that like five-year-old, you know, like T-ball for baseball or like the five-year-old soccer, there's always in the rec leagues, a participation trophy. And it's so funny because I see so much, you know, about that and how people, you know, we should only get first, second, and third. And, and listen, I mean, you know, it's like, I go back and forth. I really don't think it's a big deal only because my kids play like travel as well, which in travel, which is competitive, you only get first or second end of story. And I feel like these rec leagues are very like, you know, everyone's great. Yay. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets to shoot the ball at least once. Yeah. Um, but I've never heard of the three first, three second, three third. That's just trying to make everybody feel good. And that's Everyone's not a winner. real life. <laughs> Everyone's not a winner. Everyone is not a winner. When you go to that's a job interview, it. no one is sending you a little prize because you came. You got the job or you didn't get the job. And that's another piece that I really am struggling with, with how we're raising kids right now. You know, my stepson plays travel soccer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it changed this year or not. I didn't actually pay that much attention, but you, up until last year and he's 11 and it was travel. It was, you know, tryouts, all of that. There were no, it was just a festival. It wasn't a tournament and there were no winners and no losers. There's a winner and there's a loser. If you've lost, you need to decide, are you going to do better or are you going to try something else? Right? Like that's how life works. Right. And that's, that's just it. They like, I, I told um, my son, like when he tries out for his middle school team and I, we were having a conversation last night cause my second one is in sixth grade. And I said, are you going to try out for the soccer team? And he said, well, I don't know. A lot of the kids are good. And I said, okay. And if you don't make it, you don't make it. Like that's, it, that's part of life. It's fine. Like mm-hmm. who cares? And for him, he's like, I can't try if I'm not going to make it. I'm like, yes, you can. You're going to try out for a lot of things in your life and you're not going to make it. And so I think that's good. I, you know, I always go back when I was like, 15, um, my mom said I had to get a part-time job and I'll never forget. Thank God she did this, but she like drove me around and just like would pull up the place and she'd be like, get out, go get an application. <laughs> I'd be like, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, get the application, fill it out, ask the ask if they have new positions. And I'm like, what, what if they say no? She's like, they say no and get back in the car. We go to the next place. And I'm like, that's it. She's like, yeah. And I remember that day, like 10 out of the 15 places saying no. And, you know, for whatever reason, they'd have any positions. And by the sixth, seventh, I was, I was no big deal to me. And I, I never forget that because I thought she was right. Like, what's the worst they can say? No, or you didn't make it like, okay, try out next year or try out for a different team. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think that's it. Everyone thinks like these kids are taking these little things and acting like it's the end of the world. And I'm like, hello, this is like super minor you need to learn how to get over it. And it, this cannot be, you know, you're sobbing for days, not talking to anyone because you didn't make a team or you didn't win first place. Like I tell my kids, my boys play competitive basketball and sometimes when they lose, they're upset and you know, it's a hard game and I get it. And I always tell them, I go, you have five minutes and then I'm done. Yeah. No, no more sobbing. I'll let, get your cry out, feel bad. Five minutes. That's it. Feel and the know. feels and then buck up. Yep. That's it. 
suck it yeah. up and move on. And they look at me sometimes and I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. We're not going to sit here and sob for an hour, waste an hour of our time because we lost. Oh, well, we'll do better next time. Work on something. Yeah. And you know what? It, it's crazy because this comes back to the whole entrepreneurship com- conversation that we were having. My husband, when I first started this and, you know, I do some work with brands and I do some, you know, different consulting, things like that. And there were times where I would be getting tons of no's and I would be so discouraged and say, you know what? I don't know if this is going to happen. I think maybe I should just go back to children's aid or, you know, maybe I should just not, not be doing this. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, cause he very much started his own gig too. And he's like, do you know how many no's I got from at the very beginning? He goes, I could talk to 100 people. And maybe one would give me a meeting. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they worked with me. Like that is how you build a successful life by getting all of those no's. Like you have to plow through those no's until you get the yeses. That's life. And you know, it's crazy how this conversation kind of just came like it all kind of worked out because we're talking about the same thing. It's basically just life skills. It really is. Yeah. And that's it. You're going to, you're going to lose along the way. You're going to get no's. And that's just, I actually think you can't be successful without that. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you go your whole life and you're just winning, 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 everything's clouds and rainbows and sparkles, you know, you're just going to expect that when you're adult and that's not it. So I, I truly, I a hundred percent agree. That's just a life skill. And it, it's with your, you know, your sports, your school, your jobs and, and business life. And I, I don't think I would be anywhere near the way I am as far as running my business and my thinking without all those failures along the way. Yes. Everyone has it. You know, all the most successful people will have their failure stories. Like they're all sharing their failure stories because it does, it didn't just happen overnight. Exactly. And I actually told myself that the other day because, you know, I, I do not have a lot of extra time, obviously, but I try my whole point of my personal social media is to share my story just to like empower other women because mine's such like a fluke that it happened. Um, but I was telling myself the other day, I said, I'm, I'm always posting about like my success or, you know, it, it motivating other people. But I was like, I need to, when I start to really think about all my bumps in the road, there's some really cool stories that really shaped my business today. So I was like, I need to start sharing those because I think that would, other people would see it's not always perfect, you know, like you said, a highlight reel. For sure. And you know what, I'm going to call you out on something right there because you just said it was a fluke that it happened. I don't know if it was a fluke that it happened. I think it was an idea and an opportunity that came and you decided to take action on it and you decided to put your head down and create something out of a need. So make sure you're giving yourself enough credit. This isn't all, this all didn't just like (laughs) come to your doorstep and just, you know, hand you this business in a package. Like you've worked your tail off to the success that you have. So make sure you're patting yourself on the back for for all that you've accomplished. (laughs) All right, Lisa, where can everyone find you if they're looking for for more information on you or they're looking for more information on your curriculum? Yeah. So on all social media platforms, you can follow me at Lisa Column CEO. And I, I share, you know, both businesses and, and the stories and all that. And then specifically for my curriculum, if you're interested in anything with writing, whether it be in schools or at home, um, that website is www topscorewriting.com and on all social media as well you can find us at topscorewriting amazing and I will link that for everyone in the show description and my show notes and so thank you so much Lisa I you know I could talk to you all day about I know (laughs) entitled children (laughs) entrepreneurship all the things so thank you so much for coming on awesome thank you okay guys if you like this podcast please do me a little favor Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast, give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.